Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while, like a load him in the back of my truck. Hornady presents. American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Alex joins us along with Wayne Locke. And we have a special guest joining us a little bit later on. Alex, tell us who we got on the show today. Yeah, we got Wayne Locke in the studio here at home at Birchtree, Missouri, the Rutledge residence. And we got a new team member that we've added. His name is Michael Warren. Michael Warren is a man of God. He's a family man. And he's well known as a championship chainsaw woodcarver, an artist. This guy is a turkey killing machine, deer killing machine. He lives in Ohio. We're going to do an interview with him, and we're going to talk about his roots and his passion for the outdoors and what it means to him to be an ARO team member. Yeah, and I'll be interested to ask him because I've got one of my best friends from high school, now lives in Tennessee, and is also a world champion chainsaw carving artist. So it'll be interesting to see if they know each other. I bet you they do. Yeah, because yeah. it's a pretty small community and, and a pretty close-knit community. Like most, you know, communities, when I say community, I mean group of people that do that kind of thing, they all seem to know each other. Yeah, it's kind of like country music or turkey callers or whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. All right, so Alex, yeah. we got the turkey season coming up starting on Monday. And, of course, the Arkansas hunters are hunting right now. And i got to tell you, i got a lot of friends in Arkansas that are on my social media, Facebook, and I'm not seeing very many pictures of turkeys biting the dust in arkansas what are you hearing well i'm seeing a few not a lot and our vocational agriculture uh uh young uh yeah, denny young yeah down at uh, mammoth springs i've seen that they've killed a few robbers they're posting them on their facebook and uh that's good and i've seen just a few others but i'm not seeing a lot of people kill them in arkansas I know that Arkansas numbers was really down the last few years because of bad hatches, bad freezes, bad weather, and predators. But, uh, again, for the third time, I'm not seeing a lot of turkeys being reported being killed in Arkansas. Cody Cody did, uh, with Eagle Seed, he killed a big gobbler this morning, and he was using the ARO E250, Wayne. That's great, yeah, because these guys have been talking about using our calls for years. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we've been, uh, and every time we tweak them, they grab them, and sure enough, every year they they keep putting them down. <laughs> yeah. Now we're excited about Missouri season. Wayne is going to uh, do something a little different this year. He hasn't hunted the last couple of years here in Missouri, but uh, Wayne's going to pick up his bow, and we're going to set his Matthews bow up here in a little while. Put a new rest on it sometime today. And but Wayne, I'm not hearing a lot of turkeys. Are you? No, not hearing. Uh, like I said last week, we we got a lot of evidence on the ground when I took the kids out, you know, scratching, yeah. things like that. But, boy, they're just not gobbling. They're hand up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're going out in the evenings. We're just not hearing a whole lot. What are you hearing, Redbone? Well, you know, about the only opportunity, because I leave my house at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh-huh. uh, but here at the radio station, as you guys know, we're kind of, you know, we're outside of town a little bit. And in years past, I could always go out back and do a couple of owl hoots just before daylight and hear a turkey respond. 
And I've been doing that every morning for the last seven work days, and I have not heard a response, not one single turkey. Yeah. Well, I think our numbers are down. We've got a lot of mature birds, and the mature birds are a lot harder to call than the younger birds, as we all know. And uh, that being said, what we want to do is focus on this show and talk about the upcoming Missouri season, but also talk about our new member, and we'll talk about some of the rules and regulations. You know, the rules here in Missouri are, you know, uh, it's 30 minutes before sunrise, and the season closes at 1 o'clock. You're allowed one bird the first week, then after the second week, you're allowed your second gobbler. Or if you don't get one the first week, you can kill them both the second week, just not on the same day. Correct. Yeah. And you can use the methods of a shotgun, a bow, a crossbow, uh, in these methods. No rifles or centerfires of any kind. Alex, what's your take on on crossbows? Let's let's talk about that for a moment. Crossbows and turkey hunting. Yeah. Well, Wayne's a big crossbow guy, and he's friends with some of the people with crossbows. And uh, I want you to talk about crossbows, Wayne. Well, I tell you, crossbows have, uh, you know, it it really depends. You get these people that are in these cliques, you know, like longbow shooters don't like compound shooters. Compound shooters, they have a beef with crossbow shooters, but... Uh, here at ARO, we believe if you're just out there shooting, we don't care what you're using as long as it's a legal method. And uh, there is some advantages to the crossbow, and that is there's less movement. Uh, so it would be very ideal with uh, older uh, generation uh, people, people that may have, like, Parkinson's, a little bit of shakiness. They maybe can't do the shotgun, or uh, as they get uh, younger kids especially that can't, you know, haul around a shotgun, maybe uh, they may find an advantage with a crossbow. Um in Ohio, it extends your season. Um, you know, in Missouri, it doesn't necessarily extend your season any, but it does give you a, a different way of doing it. If you can do two birds, you know, my thing in Ohio was I always took the first bird with my shotgun, and mm-hmm. then I, I love the challenge of using a bow for my second bird. Uh, most of the time, didn't uh, seal the deal on that second bird with a bow because, <laughs> man, that is hard. They, if you're not hunting out of a blind, boy, they pick you off so quick. But uh, as far as, you know, using a crossbow – I mean, it's just like using a regular compound bow or a, a recurve bow. It's just arrow placement, arrow placement, arrow placement. Yeah, it is. Arrow placement, arrow placement. And I guess some of the tips we can share with our listeners with that crossbow, just like hunting with a shotgun, in a sense, again, you push the safety off, you squeeze the trigger, and you close the deal. Uh, if you're hunting out of a blind, which is the ultimate for anybody that can't sit still, we suggest hunting out of a blind or make you a uh, a man-made blind of some kind, cutting cedar trees, pine trees, and piling them up around you, or hunting out of a portable ground blind you can carry with you. The key thing is staying comfortable. Uh, when that turkey comes in, you're using decoys, and I like to use a hen and a jake decoy a lot of times. Sometimes a strutter. I'm hunting private land, not around other hunters. And what I want to do is face those decoys towards me like they're looking at me. When a gobbler comes in, if I'm hunting with a bow, crossbow, or whatever it is, shotgun, when they come around, they will confront those decoys, Redbone. Mm-hmm. When they do and they got their tail fan fanned out, they cannot see you move when you go to raise your crossbow or gun. So that's a good tip for the listeners. Right. right. That's, that's very true. And there is a, and, and know your, your target area that you have to hit with a crossbow. You know, not everybody's going to be out there using the, the head chopper um, broadheads where, you know, you got the six-inch blade. Swacker. Oh, no, the big six-inch <laughs> Long yeah. ones that are made to chop off the heads. You know, if you're using well, a regular, has got a three inch cut, two and three quarter. Yeah, no, these are specifically yeah. 
made for chopping heads, but the uh, just know your arrow placement because the, the vitals are very small on a turkey. Now, th- there is one large disadvantage of a crossbow, though, and that is that the power that they do come out, that, they, that arrows release with, will go right through that turkey, so you've got to make sure you're very, very aware of what's behind you. With a compound, I've always tuned my bow way down in weight because I don't like a pass-through. I want the arrow to stay in it because it causes more damage when that bird tries to run off or fly off and that arrow's still in it. It makes it harder and it tears them up more with the broadhead inside of them. I will tune my bow all the way down to about 50 pounds, 52 pounds. Um, deer hunting, you know, I, I got it up to six. I don't shoot more than 60 just because my age and my shoulder surgeries don't allow me above 60 anymore. But I, uh, my kids, when they did their uh, archery for the turkey's net, they took their bows all the way down to 40 pounds. Hmm. Uh, but with a crossbow, you know, you're 150, 200. Now with these new crossbows, they're talking like 375 to 400 feet a second. There's no tuning those down, so be very aware of what's behind you and know that that arrow, because you're at that low angle, can easily kick off, when it goes through, kick off a stump or a rock and ricochet up back up into the air. So just be real careful and know that when you uh, go out there. Yeah, and I would think it would be important too, guys, to when you're using a crossbow to know what is on the other side of that bird, uh, just yeah. for safety's sake. All right, uh, guys, we need to go to a break here. Uh, we'll be back. More American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge coming up in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tiffin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors and Good Friends. Year after year, got my hunting gear. And my old presents. Welcome back to America Roots Outdoors, everybody. In the studio, I'm here with Wayne Locke, and on the phone line, we have Red Bull Mike Crash in the studio, and as promised, we got a special guest, a new ARO team member from the state of Ohio, Mr. Michael Warren on the line. Michael, thanks for calling in today. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be uh, part of uh, of the team, and um, uh, one of the things that's important to me, everyone loves our Jesus Christ, and... Uh, it's just a blessing, and uh, just to be a part of part of the team. You bet, Michael. What we want to do here, Wayne uh, Redbone, we want to start at the grassroots, uh, the history of Michael Warren. Michael, where was you born? It's going to be like a three-part question. Where were you born? Where did you attend school? And did you play sports? Yes, I, um, I attended school. I was born in Cambridge, Ohio. I attended school, graduated from uh, high school here in Cambridge. Uh, Cambridge High, played football, track. Uh, the only sports I really didn't play was basketball because I kind of got tired of getting elbowed in the head or the face. <laughs> but also, from there, I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh where I gained uh, knowledge in videography and um, visual communication. And um, I've been you know, going into the uh, visual ward, war, world uh, as far as the art and uh, also a professional chainsaw carver. That's awesome. You know, we're going to talk about your chainsaw carving a little bit later in the show, but uh, let's talk about your family now, your parents. Uh, let's talk about your parents, then we're going to talk about your immediate family. Tell us about your okay. mother and father. What did they do, and what kind of home did you grow up in? I grew up in a very, very strong Christian home. Um, I was always in church. I know my grandfather and my dad. Um, if I didn't get them to go to church, I couldn't go hunting or fishing throughout the week. So I met a lot of 
to me then as I look back and to look at my roots and how they brought me up, you know, to love the Lord and to uh, reach out for other people, um, even now, you know, to uh, guide them and tell them how much the Lord can do for them. Um, so that's a big part of uh, a part of my life, and it always will be. Yeah, that's great to hear. I know my parents were the same way. Brought, uh, you know, went to church weekly. It was a big part of our whole life. You know, growing up, learning to everything you could about. You know, for us being Catholic, you know, we went to PSR. Uh, you know, Sunday school uh, before church, and then I attended church with my parents afterwards. And that, uh, do your kids by chance uh, do they do any uh, activity with the churches now or? Uh, yes, they do. Actually, um, my wife, we're both involved in church, and uh, her name is Angela. I have um, 11 beautiful grandchildren, and my actually my daughters uh, are both nurses. My one daughter, Monica, and daughter, Christian, they're both nurses and actually helping a lot of the um, the sick right now with the, the, the virus going around. Um, my son is a, a United States Marine. He He's all that now, and um, very, very blessed and very thankful for my children. Beautiful, beautiful family, and that I dearly love. And the main thing that I always focused on as they were growing up is, you know, to stay focused no matter what you are faced with in your life, sickness or health. Just stay focused on the Lord, and He's always there. Maybe not in our time, but in His time, He, he He's never ever will forsake you. Um, He's always on time. Yeah, I imagine that's got to be playing a big part in your daughter's lives right now, being nurses. I know, uh, I believe you said your one daughter's a nurse down there in Florida, so I'm sure she's yes, probably getting hit pretty hard with the COVID-19 patients right now. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I know a little bit, not too much, but I know she's probably taking care of some of the patients coming off of the boats. You know, and I, we all, as a team and individual, we all need to stay in prayer for the patients and their and even the, the ones that, you know, are on their way to, to be with the Lord, uh, we pray each and every day. It's really something to try to just even get a hold of to see how much this is really taking a toll on, on the country and the world. Yeah, we all agree, uh, Michael. And this is Alex again coming back in. Uh, what did your parents do for a living? What, what was their jobs? Uh, my parents actually were, uh, she, my mother was a, um, a factory worker. She worked for NCR. May the Lord rest her soul. And my father, he was a, uh, a taxidermist, and uh, also he worked uh, at steel mill. And uh, he also had passed away and went with the Lord. But um, I, I think of them each and every day because of what they instilled in me as far as being the, the man that I am today. And I, you know, I thank them when they were here with us, and I thank them now, you know, and uh, what a blessing to have the parents that I did have. Yeah, I know a few people that uh, whose parents were also steel workers, and I tell you what, the uh, the work ethic that they got from their dads, who were in the, you know, working in the steel mills and that, uh, is was fantastic because the, I think everybody I met, you know, as a medic, and I went to these steel mills all the time, uh, picking up guys that got injured in that. But they would always talk about the work ethics that they developed in a steel mill. It's almost like a whole different community down there of those yes, guys sir. together. And um, it, it's like coal miners. You know, the work ethics that coal miners have that they instill in their kids. I imagine you probably picked up a lot from your dad on that. 
Oh, yeah. Yes, sir, I have. She was very strict. Uh, my parents ran a very, very tight ship at home. Um, you know, I thank, him for, I thank both of them for that. I mean, there's situations like most young children that don't see the future, but, you know, I thank my parents for everything they've, they've done. Very, 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 very thankful. That's awesome, man. Uh, let's talk about your immediate family now. Now we know your wife, her name is Angie or Jennifer? Uh, Angela, yes. Angela, Angela, that's correct. Angela, how many kids do you have, Michael, you and Angela? I have a total of five. Um, <laughs> I raised, yeah, I have uh, four girls and uh, my son. I raised uh, Audrey, Ariel, since they were babies. They, Angela and I got together when uh, Audrey and uh, Ariel were very, very small. And I, you know, became a stepdad, but I treat them and raised them just like my own. It's, a, it's just amazing what the family, what God has blessed me with as far as having a bit, such a big family. And you know, one of the main things I want to touch on, we're very, very blessed at the present time. Uh, my daughter would had had a um a little boy um had to basically take him uh, early he had preeclampsia and when they delivered him he weighed one pound 1.6 ounces and we prayed we prayed and we kept praying and reaching out for others i know i talked to alex and asked for prayer through his church and um for this young man and it's just amazing how to see a little boy grow and to feel the Holy Spirit in that little man's room and just watch him grow because the grace of God is touching him, each and every part of his body. And so, so blessed. It's just a miracle in itself. And now this young man, he looks like a little linebacker is going to play for Green Bay or <laughs> he's really... I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, if, if no one believes in miracles, I can, I can easily take someone to to my grandson's house and let you hold this young man. And I want you to tell me that there's not a God, because it's all through him. You know, his his facial reactions are just amazing. And every time, the very first time I got to hold, his name is Sage. The very first time I got to hold Sage, of course, I had tears in my eyes. And the first thing I said when I looked at him and he looked at me, I said, you're the little man we've been praying for. Amen. Him now, it's, he's like a little linebacker. He weighs 24 pounds. And um, it's just a blessing. It's really what a story, Redbone. Yeah, well, I can, and Alex, as you know, I can relate to that story because I also have a granddaughter who was born... Uh, eight weeks early and same way the mother had preeclampsia and she weighed two pounds one ounce and she's going to be four years old in june is the biggest bundle of joy you ever saw in your life and with that being said with that being said we need to take a break we'll be back with more american roots outdoors radio right after this hey this is eddie salter and you listen to american roots and outdoors with alex rutledge and friends so you never gotta worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Hornady presents 
American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace. And, uh, of course, we've got Alex on the line. We've got uh, Mike Warren from Team Ohio and uh, Wayne Locke from uh, formerly Team Ohio, now Team Missouri, uh, with us here on the uh, on the program today. And, guys, interesting discussion uh, during the last segment, but I, I am interested in asking Mike about his wood carving. And in particular, and Alex, I told you this earlier, uh, one of my best friends from high school, Michael, is also a very well-known chainsaw carver, uh, currently lives in Tennessee. And I was just interested, how close is this chainsaw art community? Uh, Tennessee is probably about 10 hours from, uh, from Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know a lot of the guys that are in the field? Because his name is Dave Marshallak. And I don't know, you may know Dave, may not. Uh not that I know of, but far seen by if I recognize his face. Yeah, I probably yeah. know him. Okay, all right. Yeah, and he, well, he he specializes in doing wildlife art. I mean, he does eagles and bears and 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 things like that. Do you have a specialty that you do with your chainsaw art? Because I know different guys do different stuff. Yes, sir. I uh, my specialty is actually largemouth bass or any type of uh, fish. Oh wow. Um, they uh, they absolutely people absolutely love it. I usually I add a dragonfly at the top uh, to add a little bit of action and motion. Hmm, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. I saw the turkeys that you carved too. Have you seen them yet, Wayne? No, I haven't. Yeah, seen I saw the fish ones, and they're unbelievable. <laughs> hey, I want a smallmouth one made, Michael. Put me on the list. <laughs> you got it. I saw my problem. I wanted to weigh seven, eight pounds. Now, where do you get yeah. the idea for a carving? I mean, do you look at a piece of wood and go, hey, that looks like a, a carp, or hey, that looks like a catfish? <laughs> or or do you start out with a particular fish in mind? Actually, that's, that's, uh, you're hit, hit it right on the target because uh, if I see a, a block of wood or a stump someplace, it kind of spiritually speaks out to me being a, a visual artist, and uh, uh, some artists will say the tree talks to them. Um, mm-hmm. which it which it does, and I just start carving. Um, and what it does, I just use my my vision, what I have, and start carving away, and you know, and it just appears magically. That's not really magically because God's instilled it into not just me, other carvers, to be able to look at a tree or look at a block of wood and see the visions that He places in our minds, and. Um, it's all true. I give all the, the glory to God because He instilled everything into me when I'm able to do on my talents and my skills. 
You know, my buddy Dave, who I told you is in Tennessee in, in the Carver, uh, he says the same thing. He says the block of wood dictates what it's going to be. And and I guess you guys are trained to read grains and knots and, and twist and all those things to, you know, sure. there's, there's something about it that just tells you this is going to be a fish or this is going to be a bear or that's going to be an eagle right. or, or an Indian or whatever the case may be. That's very interesting to me that, right. that people can do that. So uh, kudos to you. I have a question for you, Michael. Uh, you being a champion carver, what titles have you won with your carving and your artwork? I've won, um, uh, most important, uh, one that I won actually this past year. It was the 50th anniversary, uh, Blue Ribbon, first place. And that was, um, I had a set of hummingbirds, actual hummingbirds flying in front of me. I was, this time last year, I was getting turkey permission. <laughs> I had a big flock of hummingbirds flying in front of me, so I decided to go ahead and carve it. Um, the total height was probably uh, a foot and a half. Uh, with the hummingbirds were on flowers. And so that specific piece won uh, first place, people's choice. I've won other many first place, second place with the carvings. Um, it's just a, really a blessing. I give a lot of things away. I remember... Most important things to me, uh, I started out carving, making crosses for people and and giving them away because of uh, how my heart and how I feel about the Lord. And um, that's some of my very first carving for little crosses. And now I'm at 20, 24 feet doing totems. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is a very nice uh, generosity that, that what you've done. Do you remember? I got a question out of the blue here. Do you remember the first time you and I ever met? Uh, yes, sir. We met at um, a banquet in Singsville, Ohio, where I presented a Pacific waterfowl drawing for to you. And um, my wife was there. My daughter was there. And I remember specifically, I gave you the drawing. But you wanted to take it and raise money for for other people, which meant a lot to me. It meant the world because you wanted to do that, and I never forgot that that conversation we had at that point in time. I never forgot because you're so willing to give back to the congregation and to the club that where I met you at in Zanesville. And if my memory my memory is correct, they they auctioned it off that night. Yes, they I did. thought they did. Yeah, and it raised quite a bit of money. Guys, wait till you see his work. If you haven't seen it, listeners, you've got to go to his his Facebook page and and look him up. This guy's work is amazing. I still have several of your prints right now in my cabin, Wayne. You've seen them in the bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got stuff. Yeah, yeah. got them hung up. They're beautiful. Yeah, and I tell you, it's funny when I hear you talk about you know the gift from God, and you can look at a piece of wood and see something because. You're blessed to have that gift from God because I got God gave me a disability. When I look at wood, they all look like carp to me. <laughs> <laughs> when, I look, when, I say, when I say a piece of wood, you're all thinking about, but I hope Linda don't find that. She'll bust me in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to have fun on this show. You know, we're having a great show, everybody. If you're just joining us, we have Michael Warren. He's a new team member from American Roots Outdoors. He's representing us in the great state of Ohio. He's from Cambridge, Ohio, where Mr. Wayne Locke is from, uh, who lives across the street from me. Yeah, there Hold you on, go. no, he lives across the road, <laughs> not the street, the road from me. And I'm trying to help Wayne become country. So, 
Uh, we're, we're delighted to have you on the show here, and uh, we're going to talk about turkey a little bit here before we go to a break. And how many years have you been turkey and deer hunting? I've been uh, deer hunting and turkey hunting ever since the age of probably six years old. Uh, not so much turkey hunting. I started turkey hunting, I'd say, 25 to 30 years ago. Um, I've learned a lot over the years through watching videos, uh, actually watching you, Alex, call different techniques that you've done. And, um, you know, just, uh, just to get out and hear that gobble that ignites your spirit and soul is just something about it. We all know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, but I've been very, very blessed also to harvest many birds, uh, South Dakota. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and um, I've taken some very, very large bucks off the ground. Um, you like the ground, don't you? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> well, the guys think I'm kind of crazy by doing it, especially if it's going to rut, but uh, I've been charged three to, or actually twice. Um, I've shot some Ohio big bucks, um, missed some Pope and Youngs. Um, overall, I've harvested a lot of deer. Uh, the one Pacific buck I, I missed uh, two years ago. He was probably pushing over 200 inches. Wow. And um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in thermals and the wind current. Uh, being a ground hunter, I have to be. Um, but I've managed to um, um, put together a little technique that I do that gets me up close and personal to the whitetail. Yeah, hey, Michael, um, if, Michael, if you, well, if you will. That, save that for an upcoming show this fall. But yeah. I can't okay. wait, and Wayne's going to tell you, too, until you try the Scent Guardian product from Texas Rage Hunting Products. It's, I'm telling you, you know, I've always been with Hunter Specialties all these years, and Scentaway was the greatest product since sliced apples. But I'm telling you, this new Scent Guardian will blow your mind. The, the, the system and the process of what they do to eliminate human odor is mind-blowing. Nobody has their technique what they're doing. But anyway, you'll be getting nice. some of those products. All right. All right, so we're going to talk more turkey hunting with uh, with Michael Warren from Team Ohio, Alex and Wayne. I'm Red Bull Mike Crace. We're back in a minute. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Hornet presents... American Roost Outdoors. I'm team member Michael Warren. From Ohio, and uh, we're glad to have you on the show, aren't we, Wayne? Darn tootin'. Somebody from my home state. I like that. Yeah, and you all, you all talk alike. You got the same accent. Wait, we don't have accent. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I killed a big buck. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne's the only guy I know that calls a gravel road a street. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's down here. You, you keep trying to tell me they're called roads. I thought it was just a dirty street. <laughs> Here's a better one than that, Michael. Wayne's got 13 dogs, two of the last two kind of sheep, and he's got, he's getting ready to have some roosters, some fighting roosters. The federal oh. agents will be over checking his house out. My wife's giving him some fighting roosters. <laughs> and he's going to start a petting zoo, and he's going to charge people $25 a carload to come and look at his animals. Oh, no. You know, you know what this is going to be? The dogs are so loud. This is... I came here turkey gobble. 
You know what this is going to happen, Alex? I smell like a dog. You said, I think he's going to start selling dogs. Are you selling dogs? Uh, well, we have a litter we sell them. You know, you know <laughs> what? That's <laughs> my wife's deal. Them dogs, my wife's deal. I was waiting up to see hope Renee's not listening. <laughs> I got three labs, and they don't do nothing but follow you around, sit when they're told to sit, <laughs> and they hop in the truck when you tell them to hop in the truck. You know, you know, you know, <laughs> here we go. Back to turkey. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking, Alex, before you get on turkeys? We're going to see a documentary on, on Netflix called Wayne Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if they pay good, I'll get on any kind of... <laughs> Naked and afraid. I can see Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, lose, they lose fewer than <laughs> So anyway, back to Turkey. Here we go. You've been Turkey for many years. Uh, I know your focus is taking a lot of kids, too. You love to take kids. And uh, you love to share your knowledge with others. You love to give to people. Uh, what advice have you got for uh, some of the turkey hunters that may be listening that's starting to turkey hunt this coming week or whatever? And some states are already open out there, but what advice have you got for people on pirating a shotgun? You know, Hornady is one of our sponsors, and we all shoot versatile turkey loads. And mm -hmm. if some of you that's never tried them, this Shotgun load is designed for modified choke tubes. It's not designed for extra tight choke tubes. And here's our thought process and why we love to shoot Hornady. You get turkeys in too close, and you got a tight shooting shotgun, that gun's going to shoot like a rifle. Yes, sir. You take a kid shooting these Hornady versatiles, the pattern is wider spread, and they will successfully harvest gobblers 40 yards and less. And uh, that's why we make turkey calls to call turkeys closer, right, Wayne? Right. And another thing that I like about these versatile loads is that one of the things people, they had to get away from taking their grandpa's gun out. You know, they couldn't introduce their grandpa's gun to their, their kids because, well, it didn't have a tight choke. I can't get a turkey with it uh, because uh, you can't put chokes in them. They were made as a modified or open yeah. board at the time, you know, way back then. Now these guys can bring out grandpa's gun give it to their kid, put in a Hornady Versatite, and take their kid out turkey hunting, and know they're going to be successful after that 40, 45-yard mark. 40, I say 40 and less. Yeah. I've seen turkeys shot and killed 50 yards with Versatite. <laughs> yes. We don't suggest that. 40 and less. But what happens is if, if you're not shooting too tight a pattern, right, Wayne? Right. And you won't miss with a kid at 25 yards, 20 yards. You'll have a 30-inch circle or 20-inch circle at 30 yards, whatever. Probably 30 at circle, at 30 yards, with most of your pattern there. So that's what you want. It'll be you'll be more successful with a burst type turkey load at those distances than somebody's not a good shot shooting a tight pattern gun. Would you agree, Wayne? I agree 100. percent I think these tighter patterns that are longer range that these other companies have done have yeah. taken away the, the learning the skill. You're right of bringing turkey in close. You're right. You know, I, I agree 100. percent so your thoughts, uh, Michael? I believe so, because uh, most most of the turkeys that I've called in, uh, I used to guide for take children out and other adults, and um, most of the birds that kind of came in um, were under 30 yards or closer. And um, like I was listening to you gentlemen there, that you're absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> with that type of pattern and shell, Hornady, um, you can't go wrong using that, that's for sure. Yeah, and they, they make them in number fours, number fives, and number sixes. And uh, 
I'm telling you, I, I can't tell you how many churches I've seen down with a horny burst out turkey loose. That being said, we've touched on that. Let's talk about any advice you've got for anybody out there that's going turkey hunting uh, here in Missouri. It starts uh, this coming Monday. Right. Ohio starts uh, this week, too, doesn't it? Uh, yes, the youth actually starts this weekend for the yeah. youth. Then uh, the 20th, I believe, is uh, for most of the veterans and um, other hunters. I, I personally, my opinion is just be patient and not to overcall, you know, for, say, young beginners or, you know, people that's really getting into the into the turkey hunting. Um, I've heard, you know, not to throw stones, but I remember years ago I, I heard a, a turkey caller, and I tried to help him after the fact. But I was looking for smoke signals because I just heard cranking on the calls. <laughs> so I you must do a birch tree. <laughs> hey, I got to tell a quick story. My brother used to hunt in the area, and there was a guy, and I'm not going to say his name, but he, he's a difficult person. But anyway, he would be over on a box call. My brother Lloyd said, Alex, I'm telling you, he never let up. I saw smoke signals burning off that box call. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. But that's my probably my best. Uh, uh, enjoy, you know, enjoy, basically enjoy the great outdoors with your with the, whoever you're with, your wife, your child. Uh, you know, and uh, me personally, I always pray every morning before I start hunting, um, just to give God thanks for for another day in the turkey woods. Yeah. That's great advice right there. And Alex, we are uh, we are needing to wrap this thing up for today. Well, there you have it, folks. Michael Warren, our new team member from this beautiful state of Ohio. We've got a lot of followers in Ohio, and uh, be sure to follow him. Check him out on his Facebook page, Michael Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N, Cambridge, Ohio. And he'll have a new logo, probably the American Roots logo, on his Facebook page. He's getting ready to do an introduction on our private page with a video. But be sure to follow him, everybody. And remember, we've got a bonus segment coming up. And, Wayne, tell everybody about the bonus segment. Yeah, this is a segment you're only going to hear if you are listening to our podcast. You subscribe. Uh, make sure also you please leave us a review. The reviews really help us out in um, getting our rankings in that, especially through Apple Podcasts. And uh, a little bit of news here. We are now also, uh, you can find our podcast on Deezer, Podcast Addict, and Listen Notes. We just got uh, added to that this uh, this week, so that was good, exciting news. So basically, if there's a podcast carrier out there, you're going to find us on it. Um, and right now, we're currently ranked at 132 uh, in the nation. In the nation. So that's uh, we're we're climbing the charts. We love it. We love our listeners, and we appreciate everybody that leaves a review and subscribes to our podcast. All right, we're going to wrap her up here, everybody. And again, thank you, Mr. Michael Warren, for being on the show. And our slogan is. When your roots run deep and strong, there's no no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. This is Wayne Locke. Mike Crace is in the studio, and we have Michael Warren on the phone with us uh, from a new member from Team Ohio. 
And if you're hearing this segment, that means you are subscribed to our podcast, and it's the only way you're going to hear these bonus segments is through the podcast. Michael, welcome back, and welcome. Uh, thank you for doing the uh, the podcast uh, episode here. Very welcome. Yes, sir. So when we uh, left off, we were talking about uh, some kids, some turkey hunting, some calling, some guys smoking up a, a box call. <laughs> You're afraid they're going to start a forest fire. But uh, <laughs> yeah, when you take these kids out, is this through an organization? Or are you taking them out on your own through church? How are you, how are you getting in contact with these kids? I uh, used to have a uh, guide service, and I uh, would advertise. And um, just anyone interested through, like, hunter safety classes, most of the, the – um, Families around here knew that I was big in the outdoors and as far as hunting and turkeys and deer. <clears throat> and um, that's why I came, kept in contact. And uh, through the years, they even still remember the conversation and even um, us communicating in and out of the turkey woods. But, uh, I love doing stuff with kids. I would go any of these banquets I would go and speak at, and that I would always auction off a uh, filmed hunt. Uh, for a child, um, and it was always very popular and enjoyed taking them out. I always made sure it was a kid that never turkey hunted before because uh, these are the kids that we need to get, you know, touch base with. And it does give you a chance, like you say, you know, you would say a prayer before every hunt. I'm sure you didn't, you know, stop because just because you were, had a different family with you in that. And I know for myself, right. they gave me a chance to express our faith uh, with these kids and with the family, the, whether it be a mom or dad that came with us or when I would take the adults out. Uh, you know, same way, you know, just take a quick moment, introduce them to the Lord through prayer before your hunt, and then uh, let them let him, let him have fun and hopefully put a smack down on a big old gobbler. That's right. That's right. And when that does happen, the, their facial reaction and, and the photos are priceless the rest of their life. <laughs> oh, you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. Now, did you, uh, we talked on the phone briefly, but uh, where do you do a lot of your hunting at for turkeys and uh, even deer? Are you doing mainly private land, or you do public land? I know down there in Cambridge area through, uh, you know, Coshocton County, that it's got some of the uh, best freaking deer hunting <laughs> uh, and turkey <laughs> population in the state of Ohio. I mean, uh, I got my biggest buck I ever shot, which was a uh, 158, uh, was taken out of uh, Coshocton County there. So um, I know how big they get. But, you know, do you, do you take these kids on public land, private land? Where do you enjoy hunting the most at? I enjoy hunting the most uh, at private land. I have a lot of access to some farms, uh, which I I kind of personally um, maintain. Uh, I personally don't shoot anything under 145. Uh, I let the you know the deer uh, mature, it's a mature age, and also I tell people that I used to take out. You know, if you can, kind of hold back on shooting a lesser caliber deer, you know, to try to get the genes going through the area. Like Muskegon County, uh, Coshocton County, Guernsey County, Tuscarawas County, uh, lay some of the biggest bucks um, in Ohio that's ever been shot. Like um, a couple of you know, the Beatty bucks have been shot in Ohio. Uh, some of the guys that I know have shot some mighty, mighty big deer this for the last three years. The buck I actually was blessed with harvest. I mean, he um, he scored about 150. Um, I was on the ground, uh, 10 yards away, and he didn't even know I existed. But um, it's just the excitement and trying to maintain your composure when that does happen. And uh, but most of it's uh, private land that I have access to. Okay. Yeah, you just mentioned the trifecta counties of uh, Ohio there for big bucks. 
But now, we, the last few weeks, we've been talking about turkey numbers and how in Missouri here they've been down. Of course, you know, the flooding from the bad weather the last few springs um, has been bad. Uh, Redbone had a, uh, a guest on from MDC who was talking about there isn't a whole lot of two-year-olds out there because of the flooding and the nesting um, population, you know, the nesting habitats being destroyed because of floods. Have you guys in Ohio there noticed uh, it up or down? Where are you guys at with your population right now? Uh, population this year is actually up from two years ago. Uh, last year we've seen a lot of hunters that I was talking to. Uh, there's a lot of jakes last year. and um, But this year there's a tremendous amount of toms. Um, and I never, I personally never take a tom out of the same woods um, just to try to keep the population growth going that way. And because once I take one, then another person, three or four more people take one, then their population starts dwindling, especially in a 200-acre farm. And I try to keep that level as much as I personally can, even though I don't own the property, but still I help maintain, you know, the uh, the population of the wild turkey. Yeah, trying to keep the integrity in there. You know, that's funny because that's exactly what Thomas Moore, Alex, was saying last week. He does the same thing. Even though he has all those kids that he takes, you know, his sons and that that he takes out, he never harvests more than two birds off of any property, even though he could take another, you know, another son out, another son out, another son out and keep harvesting. He does not want to damage the uh, the, uh, numbers. the capability, yeah. the numbers of the property there. And what he'll do, he'll jump around to different properties. Again, right. reiterating, and he don't believe in taking uh, one or two gobblers and being on the size of the land. So... That's what everybody should do, especially here in southern Missouri with our numbers being as low as they are. Yeah. And, and if I may uh, interject here and, and talk with you guys, I've been out listening for about two weeks straight now, and the most turkeys I've heard is five in one morning, and they was in Howe County. Hmm. Shannon County, uh, the areas I've been listening, I just, I'm not hearing them. Uh, even south of Burke Street, out here by my farm, we're not hearing the turkeys that, that I think a lot of them just end up and a lot of the turkeys that we have are mature gobblers. Yeah, that is without a doubt. I mean, I think we are missing those juveniles that uh, when Redbone was talking to the MDC gentleman, he had mentioned that, you know, those are the ones that are vocal. Those are the ones that will just, I mean, if you shut a car door, they're, you know, they're just going nuts, you know, for any little sound. The mature ones, hey, they're smart. You know, they know how to date. Do you do any uh, predator hunting by chance to you know help the populations on those farms? Uh, coyote hunting. I have uh, some gentlemen that are good friends of mine. They they devour the coyotes either with a snare or go out and call them in. But uh, they do a really good job. I know specifically the one gentleman, he had probably taken in two years probably at least 250 to 300 coyotes off of uh, one Pacific area here wow. in Ohio. And need him to come to Missouri. Holy cow. Yeah, and he's, 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 no, we need him here in Birch Tree on our farm, man. You ain't kidding. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to do a locator call. In the evening, all I'm hearing back is howling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's five bunches of coyotes around our farm here two evenings ago. Five different groups. They're too thick. Yep. Man, what a show we've had, Wayne, uh, Mr. Michael Warren, Redbone. Uh, great interview. We're, we're so proud to have you on this team, Michael. And what we're going to do is you've got about a minute left here. I want you to close the show, what you've got to say to everybody, 
about being an outdoorsman and about the future of hunting? Just wrap it up real quick. Okay, the future of hunting, the first thing I think is maybe everyone should, uh, before we go walk, put one step into the woods as we're walking, just take our hat off and give thanks to the, the good Lord for for that day that we're we're all going to experience in the turkey woods this year with our families and friends and maybe a first-time turkey hunter. You know, it's it's through him that all things are possible, you know, Philippians 4.13. And if you had time to take a, a young child out, please do, because just the memories that you make, and um, it's just incredible. You know, uh, we all give our hearts and souls to Jesus Christ because, you know, with a crown of thorns, three nails and two beams. He died for each and every one of us. And um, you know, for the future, just uh, be safe. God bless you and and put Jesus first in your life. Wow. Well said, Wayne. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. What, do you see why we picked him? Oh, yeah. I mean, and just a few days ago, we all were putting on our Facebook page, He Has Risen. That's right. Give us a word, Redbone. Wrap her up. Well, we're going to wrap it up with, uh, like we always do, folks, when your roots run deep and strong, you never have to fear the wind. The sun ain't up, they ain't down. We'll be waiting when they hit the ground. Big time coming, it's what we do. From a whippoorwill to an old house who Sitting still till it's time to shoot American roots. Take it to a holler.